are in a series called God's Wisdom for LA Life, looking at how we live God's way, how we live in His wisdom for life in LA. And we're looking this morning at the topic of God's wisdom for words. God's wisdom for words. It says this in Proverbs 18. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. How many of you have ever felt life be breathed into your spirit because people have spoken good things over you? They've loved you. They've encouraged you. They've prophesied over you. They have just reached out to you and they've spoken to you and you're breathing in life. At the same time, how many of us have ever felt that words have brought us down? (laughs) That it feels like it's producing death in us? Words can bring life or they can bring death. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. That's complete nonsense. Words can break our hearts. Words can divide families. Words can disrupt communities. Words can trigger all sorts of brokenness for the rest of our lives. What is said so often over us as children can plague us in our years ahead. And of course, in 2020, it was a bad year for words. It was a bad year for Christians being divisive with their words. It was a bad year for Christians being hurtful with their words. There's so much pain and division has taken place over the last year because people have not been wise with their words. God has given us the great gift of words. He's given us his word, and he gives us words to speak life to one another, but we can also speak death. And so how do we live wisely with our words in our city? That's what this sermon is about. That's what this week's all about. And as we look at the book of Proverbs, we see three things about God's wisdom for words. We see the source of words, the source of wisdom, the content of wise words, and then the power for wise words. God wants to give you power to bring life to others with your words. And this is what the Proverbs is about. We're going to begin with the source of wise words. How do we, where does it come from, this wisdom for words that bring life to others? It says this in Proverbs 16, The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent, and their lips promote instruction. Wise words, according to Proverbs, comes not from your intelligence, not from just reading an article, now you have wisdom. Now you've studied and qualified in something, now you have wisdom. No, for Proverbs, for God, wisdom comes from the heart. The heart is the seat, not of your feelings, but of your motives. It's the place of decision-making in the Bible. It's the place where you determine what motivates you. And the, the Proverbs says, you begin with wisdom... When your motives are right. What are motives? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul describes the motives of our words. It says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. See, for God, God is love, and all of his words come out of his love. In the same way, he says wisdom 
as we talk to one another, wisdom as we relate to one another, wisdom as we go on social media and comment, or wisdom as we march, it's a resounding gong unless it all comes from a place of love. Wisdom begins with love. That means when you're talking to a friend or an enemy, when you're talking to a Democrat or a Republican, when you're talking to a Christian or a non-Christian, when you're talking to your boss or your employee, God says wisdom, you will bring life to others through wisdom in your words when your heart is motivated by love. That doesn't mean, of course, we only just say valentiny, lovey-dovey things to each other. God isn't saying just always say nice things. In the same way that God's words to us are varied, it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, he's given us his word, not this iPad, but his Bible, his words. It says to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to encourage us. See, words are very many-sided, but they are all to be delivered out of a heart of love. If they're not, Paul says, you can say truth, but if it's not accompanied by love, it will be a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. See, so often we actually don't have motives of love when we are wanting to communicate. We've seen this last year on social media and all the divisiveness. You see people not responding out of love, not communicating out of love. You see people responding to prove you're right or to prove someone else is wrong. We're responding out of motives of shame or guilt or bitterness or hurts from our past. We're responding out of fear. So many Christians have communicated out of fear this year. Fear of losing rights. Fear of losing a privileged status in society. Fear of losing their dreams of the future. Fear of what might happen if so-and-so does this. We're not responding and talking out of love, but we're talking out of fear. Wisdom, if you take nothing else from this sermon, God says, if your heart is right, wise words will follow. If love is in your heart, then actually you can mess up your words, but when they're floating to the ears of the other person, surrounded by love, they'll be received. So let me ask you a question. Where is your heart right now as you speak to others? Where is your heart right now when you comment on social media? Where is your heart right now when you're in conflict with someone? Where is your heart when you're in difficult conversations? Is it motivated by love? Listen to your heart. The second thing is not just the source of wisdom with words, but what does it look like? What's the content? The Proverbs shows us what it looks like to speak Words that are wise in God's eyes. And there's so many different characteristics. The proverb says more about wisdom with words than any other topic. So there's many things that represent wise words. I'm going to pick on three biggies. And they are honesty, gentleness, and other-centeredness. Honesty, gentleness, and other-centeredness. Wise words are firstly honest. Honest. In Proverbs 12, it says, An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. And then I love this one Proverbs 24, 26. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. How weird is that? But an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. In other words, 
Honesty is at the heart of every relationship. Honesty is the bedrock of all relationships. It's the bedrock of society. It's the bedrock of government that we rely on honesty to have any kind of effective communication. And it's through communication that we grow close to one another, that we work together, that we prosper together, that we fight our battles together. It's through honesty, which is why our country is in crisis right now, because we have an honesty crisis. There's so much talk about fake truth or conspiracy theories or agenda-driven media that we don't know who to believe. And so when we don't know who to believe and we always think there's a real story behind the story, then society and relationships start to crumble. Honesty is is the source of every strong relationship. It's why God put honesty in the Ten Commandments. It's right up there with murder is don't tell lies because lying will destroy relationships, destroy civilization, destroy community. In Acts chapter 5, we see God's judgment on the early church that seemed to be prospering and a really life-giving community, but a couple of people started to lie and God's judgment came to them because it was like, if this goes any bigger, it will destroy my church. God loves the truth, and we are to be lovers of truth. In John 8, Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Which is why truthful, honest words can bring life to someone. So many of us are living under the lies of what have been said about us, the lies of fear, the lies of what we think about ourselves, the lies that people don't like us, the lies that we're not lovable, the lies, all these things. Anybody have any of those lies over them every, every now and again? We live in these lies, right? And therefore, we are to speak truth to each other and actually to call out truth in one another that we don't live under these lies anymore. Life, sorry, lies confound the destruction. But truth sets us free. I remember... A couple of great friends who were at Vintage, but they've moved on now. They've moved away from LA. But they saw it as their job to speak truth into lies. They said that most people are carrying around these lies of shame and insecurity and inadequacy. And I'm inferior and everyone's better than me. And when I'm in a room, no one notices me. All these lies that we live under. So they said, so we're going to counter that with truth. And they would sit people down and they would email people. They would text people the truth of you are loved. You're amazing in God's eyes. When you did that, I could see the amazing uniqueness God's given to you. And they would actually call people out of the lies with truth. That's the power of truth and honesty. But on the other side, the church can be destructive with its dishonesty. We can actually push people away. We can actually destroy others and destroy relationships when we actually confound the lies and bring a culture of dishonesty. Now, many are thinking, yeah, I don't see a culture of dishonesty in the church. And yet when we dig a little deeper, we see dishonesty is everywhere. It's in the culture and it's in the church. I'm not talking about the lies where you go to court and you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God, and you then just make something up. That's like the big, obvious, bold lie. But it's the half lies that can equally destroy friendships. It's the sugarcoating the truth. It's the avoiding 
tough conversations because you don't want to have the pain of that. It's the exaggeration. It's the faking it. It's all of these pretense and this sense of image that we put up that isn't reflecting reality that actually is a form of dishonesty. And it's creating a culture that actually pushes one away from each other because God lives in the truth. But we're creating a culture of dishonesty. We see this all the time. In a marriage, it can bring in marriages where one person says, are you okay? And you hear, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong. It's like, really? You can see it in LA when you have these trying to build relationships and you hear these little lies all come in all the time where you say, hey man, good to see you. Um, and he says, yeah, it's fine, I'm busy right now, but let's grab lunch. And you never see him again. Or when you invite someone to something and you get all these 100 responses, oh my word, everyone's coming and then only three people show up. It's when you go to an audition and you go, the casting agent says, man, that was perfect. Your voice, your acting, your script is perfect. It just doesn't fit where we're at right now. The most disheartening is when it's in the church. When we're encultured to actually breed dishonesty amongst us, whether it be spiritual or just cultural, but we aren't, we don't have permission to be ourselves. We've always got to put a happy smile on things. We've always got to say, "Yeah, praise God, I'm fine." We don't want to let the side down. We don't. We don't want people to think that, "Oh no, you're not a very good Christian this week because you look miserable." And so we fake it in church. And we don't give feedback. I've been in churches where if, if you're on staff and you're not doing well on staff, you only know because actually you get ignored. Because everyone's afraid of hurting one another. And so we live in this dishonesty. I remember that I was so under this cloud as a Christian of not being real. I couldn't be real. I always had to come into church with a smile on my face. Always had to kind of say really beautiful, positive things. I always had to quote verses and go, God, yeah, victory is mine in Jesus, all this kind of stuff. I remember having a bad day, really bad day. I was only 17, but I was having a really bad day. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to see any Christians. I can't be honest about it. So I'm going to just walk around the city where I lived and try and avoid any Christian. And I looked miserable because I was miserable. I wanted to be honest about where I was. And then all of a sudden, I was walking down the street, looking miserable, and then a, win- a car drove by, stopped, wound down the window, and said, Hey, Gare, cheer up! Don't you know Jesus rose from the dead? You look miserable! What kind of witness are you? And then drove off again. I thought, holy smokes! Where's the honesty? Where's the permission to be real? And then, of course, we've got, all got our Instagram accounts, we've got our social media profiles, We've got how we look and dress and makeup and everything that makes us actually give off a a sense of dishonesty. All of this is toxic to real friendships. It's toxic to a culture that is thriving. Proverbs 29 says, look, if you flatter your neighbors, you're actually spreading a net for them. Which means if you flatter them, you're taking away the firm, solid ground they're on and they're going to fall through because no one is telling them the truth. 
Proverbs 28 says, in the end, your friends appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. We're living in a culture where we've suddenly thought dishonesty is okay. Jerry Scazzaro in a book, Emotionally Healthy Woman. Terrible title because it's for guys as well. She says this, lying may provide short-term relief, but it comes at a great cost. What seems like a harmless lie at the moment becomes more complicated and difficult with time. The easy way out turns to be more difficult. Our relationships grow more distant and diminish in quality. People's trust in us lessens. Our stress increases. We carry more anxiety in having to remember what version of reality we told people. You ever felt stressed by that? Oh no, what lie did I tell you that I have to keep up? But on the other hand, if we end the pretense of superficiality and end lying that so much characterizes the Christian culture today, we will experience liberation, freedom, and a genuine body life that is truly a taste of the kingdom of heaven. Your relationships grow more authentic with nothing to hide. Your stress levels and anxieties decrease. Your self-esteem grows more solid because your integrity isn't broken. Peace with God, yourself, and others permeates your life. When you quit lying, you ignite your spirituality. You are removing false layers and awakening to the true self God has planted within you. By God's grace, you will become among the freest people on earth, and there'll be no going back. Ah, oh, the freedom to be truly who you are. To be free, to be honest. Honesty is God's way with words. Secondly, gentleness. God's words are not just honest, but they're gentle. In Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Honesty without gentleness is destructive because it doesn't come from a motive of love. Gentleness is the sign that you want to love the other, even with honesty. This doesn't, again, mean that we just become meek and mild. What it means is that we are seeking to love the other person and we're seeking to deliver honesty in a gentle way so it doesn't crush them but builds them up. And ironically, a gentle tongue, gentle honesty, is far more persuasive and powerful than honesty and just raw honesty. We see this on social media, right? Raw honesty, calling people out. Can't believe you said that. That's outrageous. We should do this. You should do this. I'm calling you out. I'm standing up for this. And since when does any of that have any power to persuade the other person to change their mind? It rebounds. And actually what it does, it causes people to dig in their feet, become defensive. And all the comments are just a battle between people. I've never read any social media and any comments that at the end of the comments, the person who posted it said, you know what? You're right. I'll change my mind. It's because it's honesty without gentleness. And God does not call us just to speak truth. He calls us to speak truth from a loving heart with gentleness. I think we have an opportunity in the church this year to build bridges again, to restore relationships to heal wounds that have been created by people 
shouting truth, and maybe it was good truth, but doing so with a harsh spirit that just caused division and damage. Wise words are gentle. I've had people come with some pretty big truth in my life that I've needed to hear, and sometimes they haven't been gentle, and guess what I've done? I've just said, I've stiff-armed them and said, go away. But I've equally got friends and sometimes some enemies who've come with gentleness. And they've said, hey, help me understand where you're coming from. Help me understand. I want to listen to you. Actually, you do know I'm for you, don't you? Can I just give some feedback which I think will actually help you? And this is holding you back in your life. And can can I share it? And I go, man, they love me. They want the best for me even though this is a difficult thing for me to hear. Okay, thirdly, wise words are other-centered. They are other-centered. Proverbs 10 says this, The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked is perverse. The word for fitting there is appropriate for the hearer. That the the lips of the righteous, the wise words of God, are always delivered in a fitting way for the person to hear. Whereas perverse if you don't take that into consideration. Right? We all know that there's a time and a place and a tone that will help the other person listen to what you've got to say. Which is why social media is the worst place for any kind of difficult conversation. But you have to understand the hearer and understand what time of day are they best going to respond to this? What type of tone are they going to respond best? Where shall I say this that's going to do best for them. If you're a morning person, you'll resonate with, sorry, if you're not a morning person, you'll resonate with this proverb. It says, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. The proverbs is telling us wisdom in how you speak is when you're empathetic to the hearer. So often we feel the virtue is actually getting truth out Whereas God says the virtue is getting it out in a way that the other person can hear. It's why I really get annoyed with the word evangelism. I love telling people about Jesus because I love Jesus so much. He's changed my life. But so often evangelism, we have these pictures of people shouting Jesus towards people. As if we're doing our job well, as long as we throw a pamphlet at someone or tell them about Jesus, no matter how it's received. And I remember I was at a car dealership about two years ago, and I was maybe looking miserable again, I don't know, but I was in the waiting room waiting for my car to get ready, and someone came up to me, and they'd just obviously been in some evangelism training seminar to tell people about Jesus, and I was their target, right? I could sense it a mile off. I didn't tell them I was a pastor, didn't tell them anything, and I just sat down, wanted to be left alone, and this person came up, and literally the first thing out of their mouth was, do you know you're going to go to hell when you die? I go, oh, I'm just waiting for my car. (laughs) And then they started to to really go for it with truth. But I could tell that they were feeling their job was simply to speak the truth and have no regard 
for how I might want to hear that truth, where I want to hear that truth, and what tone it's going to come across. And I used to be one of those people, which is why I'm not criticizing them, because I think, actually, I used to be like that. I used to think that I was doing a great job by speaking truth, no matter if I hurt the other person. Wise words are empathetic words. Wise words are saying, hey, tell me your story. Before I'm going to tell you about Jesus, I want to understand your story. Do you know no one comes to a world a worldview on faith outside of trauma? No one comes to a neutral place on faith without going through trauma. Do you know what the most loving thing to do is when we're sharing our faith about Jesus? When we're suggesting Jesus is maybe someone to consider is to listen to their story, to love them. So that actually they realize we love them and want to know them and know their story before we propose maybe Jesus is someone they might want to get to know. See, other-centered words. Again, so much of the last year, so much of divisiveness, so much of the cultural battle we have right now is because we don't have any regard to the hearers. We only think about ourselves. Okay, finally, where's the power to do all of this? How do we do all of this? I look at all of this, I read all of this, and I preach all of this, and I go, well, I can't do this. You know, I don't have the patience for this. I don't have the empathy for this. I'm so annoyed. How can I hold back from saying that? I'm so afraid of what might happen to our country unless I stand up and shout. It's like, yeah, you're right. You can't do it in your own strength because in our own strength, we will just tear people down. It's why in Proverbs 16 it says, it's the hearts of the wise that make their mouths prudent. Or as Jesus put it like this, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. For the mouth speaks what the mouth, what the heart, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Is full of. See, we can't control our mouths because we don't control what's in our hearts. Our hearts are full of wounds from the past, hurts, bitterness, insecurities, shame, guilt. That, that's in our hearts. And so Jesus says, if that's in our hearts, that's just what's going to come out. And if you try and just put a plug on that, eventually you'll explode. Something has to happen down here. That's why Jesus came, not just to tell us what to do, but to change our hearts, to set us free, to heal the guilt, to heal the shame, to take away the bitterness, to take away the insecurities, to take away the fear, and re replace what was once full of the toxins, to replace with his love and his presence and his acceptance of you and his protection of you, and his love, his deep affection for you. See, the only way to heal our words is to have Jesus heal our hearts. And when we invite him into our lives, it's not just that one-off, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but it's Jesus daily. Look, my heart is so wounded. It's so broken. Jesus, heal it. And that's the journey of being a follower of Jesus. Allowing him to heal our hearts 
so that our words become more and more an overflow of his love and his life. I'm going to ask you a question again, is how's your heart? Has it been so ravaged by what people have said, the wounds, the fears? Has it been broken by the insecurities and shame? That the words we speak, there's no way I can control that. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be healed? That our lives can bring life to others and life to you. Let's close our eyes as we pray. Jesus, show us our hearts. Show us our hearts. Where we have spoken unwisely. Where we've brought down, where we've done all these things, but Lord, it's just a sign that I have a broken heart and you love me. You don't shame me, but you come to heal me. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you now in the name of Jesus to come into our hearts again and heal us of the pain. Heal us of the words that have been spoken over us, the rejection that we've experienced. That we may step into honesty. We may step out of the shadows of dishonesty. Lord, I just have a sense to pray, particularly for women under the, the lies of having to look a certain way or you're inadequate. To weigh a certain weight or you're inadequate. Whatever the cultural lies are, Lord, we just break them. That we can be honest with this is who you've made me to be. Lord, heal our hearts. We're going to worship now. And then just in this time of worship, just let your heart express itself to Jesus. We are an expressive bunch here. So if you want to raise your hands, we encourage that. It's just a sign of surrender to Jesus. Let this time just be between you and him. Don't look around. Just let your time be between you and Jesus who loves you and has come to heal your heart. Let's stand together and let's worship.